Always a pleasure to have him. Always look forward to the segment, folks. Off the record, on the record. What does it mean? Joe Campolo, uh, the great managing partner of Campolo Middleton McCormick. And they're uh, phenomenal Three locations, a Forbes uh, firm picked, uh, one of the greats in this country. And uh, and the job that this man does is a wonderful thing of a blog, covers everything. And the epiphany came about one day where, why don't we put the blog on the show and everything else, and we call it off the record, on the record. Joe's blog is off the record on our show, on the record. Mr. Campolo, it is a pleasure to have you here today. Jay, good to be here. Sorry to hear that you're uh, you're going through this uh, this COVID nightmare that so many people have gone through. Where where do you think you might have gotten it? If you if you if it's not a false positive, how do you think you might have contracted it? Joe, I have been going through that in my head the last couple of days. Uh, I was swabbed Monday, so I, I'm thinking. You know, my brother's a doctor. And he's telling me last night, hey, you might, maybe you could have, t- you know, probably Thursday last week, so probably maybe seven days in, thank goodness. I don't know. I live in isolation already. I mean, like, like so many others, right? But where have I gone? I go to the supermarket. I'm wearing masks. Uh, I'm very careful. Now, listen, did I touch a garbage pail out front, move it to the side, Maybe they wash my hands. Do I go to the gas station? I'm pretty pretty good on the gas station stuff because I have a sanitizing thing in my car. You know, I, the hands and everything. I don't know, I, Joe. I tell you, and 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 it's so important for people to realize, you know, it just the importance of of wearing the mask and just doing your due diligence. There's so much that comes about. CDC got, you know, now came out with maybe it's in the air a couple hours more than thought. Maybe it goes to the ventilation system. Who knows? It changes every other day. We know that. But the one thing that doesn't change is the fact of wearing that mask if you are out in public. Wearing the mask and please wash those hands because obviously I didn't do something right I got caught, and thank God I'm not suffering like so many others, like so many others. I'll get through this, but I think about everyone else lying in those beds and everything else, and gosh, those ventilators and what people have gone through, 131,000 Americans have perished because of this thing. And it really brings you into the light as far as what one has to do to protect themselves, their family members, loved ones, the whole nine yards. And it's so true. If we if we would all just comply and wear the darn mask, I don't know how I got it, Joe, but I'm going to be extraordinarily careful and put it out there with the voice that I have and the plat the platform that I have every morning of making sure people understand here what's going on. Yeah, it's look, it's important, and people want it so bad to be over. And the weather is nice, and we're lulled into this sense of false security, and it's hard. The hard, it's a hard thing to uh, to manage mentally. It's a, it's hard physically to, um, you know, to to maintain the vigilance. It's it's hard to manage crowds. The whole thing is just such a terribly, terribly difficult period of history for us. It really is. Um, you know, unfortunately, the death rates are starting to creep up again. So, I don't know, Jay. You know, all along, people have have. Um, you know, have had this sense of, well, once we open up the economy, we're going to open it up and everything's going to get back to normal. And I've always had this this nagging feeling like another shoe's ready to drop. And, 
you know, I, I just get that sense for the fall that there's another shoe waiting to drop because we we don't have we don't have a good handle on this. We don't have a good handle on testing. Um, people are understandably frustrated, sick of being inside, sick of being restricted, and uh, it's unfortunately going to cause another another surge, I think. And you know, we'll have to see what the fall does. I wish you luck in in uh, isolation, dude. I don't I don't know that I could uh, I don't know that I could do that. I I really you know I don't I don't do well uh, even with the limited restrictions that we have right now. I don't know that self isolation is anything that would would do well by me. So I wish you luck with that for sure. Really, is slipped on an air mattress last night. I mean, and, you know, listen, I I don't know. I'm hoping. I'm hoping that false positive was present, but I can't bank on it. I gotta wait till the 20th. I'll take I'll retake it a week from Monday. Uh, hopefully, I'll be negative. But in the meantime, uh, I know what people are going through. We'll continue to do the show, and we'll continue to, to to voice out there that people really need to pay attention here. That's the key. I tell you, the biggest problem in all this right now, what we're seeing around the country, in my estimation here, is just the lack of leadership. I'm sorry. Listen. I talk about this on Blue in the Face. People know me. They trust me. I'm honest with them. I'll tell both sides who's at fault and why not. You're not getting any leadership at all. I'm sorry, you're not. You're not getting the message out there from the President of the United States. Look what happened in Tulsa, Joe, a couple of Saturdays ago. Oh, lo and behold, look at the COVID positive rate now in Tulsa, by the way, folks. Have you read that this morning? Hmm, coincidence? What do you think? This is what I'm talking about. It's about leadership on all fronts. We're not getting it. And did you see the vice president make an absolute fool of himself yesterday with some of the numbers he put out there? I mean, you're telling me that it's leveling off in Florida? Really? You're telling me it's leveling off in Arizona? Why? I mean, you're over 25% the positivity rate. We're supposed to be 5%. You're seeing a flat line at 27%. Between 25 and 32, and you're telling me that's encouraging? Are you kidding me? I, I can't understand it. I, you know, Joe, this is, this is something, if we don't improve this, people have no idea what they're in for come the fall. It comes out of leadership and messaging, my friend. Yep. And, and you know, Jay, unfortunately, in, in an election year, and particularly this election year, I don't think we're going to see any uh, any bipartisan consensus on how to handle this. I think magically, once the election's over, irrespective of uh, of, of who wins, um, you're going to see a whole different approach. I believe to how we're uh, how we're handling this. Um, it's going to be more cohesive. I mean, it's it's just such a terribly fragmented country right now, and and unfortunately, people are dying. And businesses are being ruined, uh, all because of you know such a such a toxic, fragmented um, political environment right now. That's that's the that's the reality of it. And people can people can it doesn't matter. Like you said, pick pick whatever side, uh, pick whatever side you want. Everybody's everybody's playing politics and not playing what's the best. Uh, you know what's the best approach here it's 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 one upmanship right now and it's it's look it's 
just such a such a terrible situation. There's nothing really, uh, no other way for me to describe what I what I see and what I feel and what I hear and and what's going on. It's just it's just a terrible situation. You know, people are people are great, Jay. They're trying to make the best of it. They really are. People are trying to get on with their lives. They're trying to make the best of it. Um, and look, you're a p- perfect example. Uh, you know, I and I, I, I know you well. You're a germaphobe to begin with. Um, Sure, you were super, super vigilant, and and here you find yourself uh, somehow with it. That's that's the weird thing about this this virus is it creeps in on people, and they have no idea how they even how they even got it. But until we get past this election, there's not going to be any sort of cohesive uh, response. I mean, even masks have taken on political connotations, which is you know, simply unconscionable to me. It's it's ridiculous. It's, Look, wearing masks are a pain. They're a pain in the neck. But wear a mask. I mean, I don't know, I don't know what else to say to people. It's like wear a mask. You know, just wear, wear it. Mask. I get it. But, Governor of Ohio issued the mandate for his seven or eight counties of mask wearing. Mike DeWine. Okay, never did that before. Gave him a lot of credit yesterday doing that. Ron DeSantis is another story down in Florida. You know, I'll tell you, president's protege and everything else doesn't want to disappoint the president. Guess what? You have 200,000-plus cases over the last week and a half, Governor DeSantis. Why not issue a state mandate for people who go out to wear the mask? Don't tell me it's their choice. Don't tell me it's recommended. Issue the mandate. Wear the mask. That's all these folks have to do, okay? But you know what? If you align with the president of the United States, it's unfathomable that this is a political football game with people's lives on the line. That's what makes me so angry right now. It's, it, I, I tell you, Joe, I, I look at Arizona. I hear from leading doctors that might have to make choices of which life to save. Because of equipment problems, they don't have enough. Nobody's recognizing this. I I just don't understand where we are. This is the United States of America in the 21st century. And look how we're struggling here. It's unbelievable. I'll tell you, I don't know. If this guy is trying to lose the election right now, He's doing a good job, Joe. Because well, the he doesn't, I don't care I, what the economy looks like. I don't care I what it is. But I don't no, care if gold's no plan, 2,000 an ounce in the next couple of I don't care how NASDAQ doesn't matter how Wall Street's doing. If he doesn't message properly in a number of different ways, he's done. Finished. And I said this months ago, he's going to be graded on this. But if you're not showing leadership, if you're at 130,000 Americans dying, we could have 200,000, 45,000 could be saved if you just point out the mask-wearing situation. He's going to lose this thing, and he's going to lose it badly, Joe. And he'll look back on this, and he'll figure out why. Well, he he, he won't. He'll make excuses as to why um, I'd... We need a plan, Jay. The country needs a plan. I think. I think what more than Donald Trump losing the election. I think the way that 
Joe Biden could win the election is by coming out with a comprehensive plan about how we're going to handle these issues. I mean, even the issues of schools now, I mean, it's, it's, it's just a terribly fragmented time. It's just it's a terribly fragmented time, and that's because there's a fuse burning till the November election. If that fuse wasn't burning, if this was the second year of anybody's presidency and there was plenty of breathing room before the next election, there would be a much more comprehensive plan in place, no matter who the president was, um, to to approach this. There would be less sense of urgency in their camp, right? And on the other side, they smell blood. They smell blood. So they're going to they're going to continue to pressurize the situation as much as possible. And uh, and so we don't we're not dealing in facts anymore. We're not dealing in facts anymore. We're dealing in in political whims. And whenever you're dealing, you know, with political whims, uh, when you're trying to, uh, you know, understand science, you're in trouble. And we're in trouble. As a country, we're in, we're in trouble right now. We're, uh, you know, we're on the ropes. And, and we, we need to shake it off and, and get back. We, we need a long-term plan um, on how to, you know, solve this problem from a macro perspective. Um, you know, we're, we're struggling with schools right now. Look, school, schools, if they don't reopen and, and this surges and the kids uh, are, are forced to stay home for, an, for another school year, Jay, it's going to be huge problems. Going to have going to have huge problems. Just just social problems, mental problems, unemployment issues. It, it's it's going to be devastating, right? So we should be completely focused on how are we how are we handling that. Um, and again, it's politics. So the president wants to defund schools that you know uh, that aren't going to be. Uh, reopening and withdraw visas from foreign students who aren't going to be there in person, right? So he's saying. Uh, so on one hand, you have you have um, the governors of the states saying they're going to use economic sanctions, um, pull liquor licenses, and do everything for businesses that allow too many people there. And on the other side, you have the president of the United States saying, "I'm going to." use economic sanctions and defund schools if they don't have enough people there. So here we have this, this push-pull again, right? One is trying to limit population, and the other one's trying to increase population. And both are using economic sanctions, and, and we as the American people are the, the ping-pong ball in the middle of this game that's going on. Um, that's, that's just crazy to me. It's, it's, it's crazy to me. Um, we have to find a way. It, it makes total sense, I think, to most reasonable people. It makes total sense to, you know, not be all or one. Um, you're not just going to September one open up the schools and, and you know. And 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 it's, I was talking with um, John Carrado on Suffolk Transportation, the largest school bus system here on Long Island, and he was talking about the extreme precautions even just the buses uh, need to go through right now and prepare for um, because they're going to have a challenge. Uh, with how they're going to be busing the kids and and dealing with masks and spacing and and diminished capacity and so these are real real issues and real real problems um, that we need comprehensive leadership on you know we need everybody everybody understanding and 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 then when everybody's head nods around the table then the American people can feel like okay it's safe and it's the right thing to do we don't have any of that right now we don't know what's right we don't know what's wrong we don't know where we'll come or we're going. Um, and it's it's a shame. It's a shame on us. It's it's certainly just such a terribly difficult time. 
it is. But, you know, here's the thing. I took exception with uh, Cuomo's statement yesterday in the fact he's going to make a decision on this school year between, what, August 1st and 7th. He wants the schools to submit their plan by the 31st of this month. Listen, here's the way I see it. And right now, parents are on the brink. They, gotta, they, they have to prepare. There's a lot of preparation that has to go on. The districts have to prepare. Why can't we just state? The numbers are such right now where why can't we just state? Guess what? We're going to open the schools. Unless something changes, schools will be open, folks. Why do we have to get this dictatorial sense of doing things? I don't think it was needed yesterday. And that's why I thought the governor was wrong as far as the approach he's using. Instead of a declaration knowing that the numbers are such where we can safely open up the schools and make the preparations as we speak to keep kids, teachers, staff, administration safe. Why can't we declare that? And the president was wrong again yesterday for what he did. You can't make a threat like that by defunding schools if they're not going to comp- First of all, Cuomo was right in the fact New York gets nothing anyway from the federal government. So the threat doesn't mean anything. What are you going to take away that you haven't given to me? New York contributes $30 billion over the top anyway. We know that. But the fact of the matter is he was wrong as usual for how he tweets. We know that. It's an ongoing thing. But I thought Cuomo could have been a little more flexible in his approach and at least given that, that silver lining to prepare Let's go. Right now it's a go. Numbers are there. Kids get ready for school. Here we go. September. Boom. Instead, we're in limbo here. We're in limbo. But, you know, enough is enough. Be flexible here. Allow districts to start the ball rolling. I thought Cuomo could have done that. What do you think? Yeah, I, I listen. Andrew Cuomo, you know, he's um, he's an interesting guy. You know, I, I, I he's he's. You know, people are, are, are either loving him or hating him right now um, because and, – and I think – honestly, I think his, um, his, his inconsistent mistake that, that I think pushed people away from him was, um, you know, that he's so hard to enforce social distancing and masks uh, with schools, with graduations, with restaurants, um, but when the protests – were occurring, and he made the statement that he stands with the protesters, and that um, he wasn't taking a hard line in terms of social distancing. It, it really it confused a lot of people. I think it confused a lot of people of, you know, why is that okay, but my kid can't go to their high school graduation, or the kids weren't able to be in school, or I can't dine outside at a restaurant. I mean, there's 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 anger in people who aren't able to live their normal lives, and I think that I think that that you know, hurt him politically. He had to. He had to. He had to support um, what was going on. But I think the business community. I mean, I had um, uh, on my on my business unusual webinar. I had Michael Pfaff, the uh, president and general manager of the Ducks, and you know, our firm's a, a season ticket holder, long term supporter of the Ducks. I love baseball. I, you know, I grew up love the Ducks, and um, you know, they had the rug pulled out of them last minute. So the, all along, they were. Uh, they were planning for a phase four opening. They were they were told they were phase four opening. They invested a lot of time and a lot of dollars in, in safety measures. They mapped out the whole 
25% capacity, how it was going to work. It was all all um, all approved. So, uh, uh, you know, June 19th, they announced their schedule, and June 30th, the governor came down and said, no, ducks are not opening. They're, they're going to be, you know, classified as professional sports, and professional sports are not allowed to have spectators, so they're not opening. And, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of frustration. There's a lot of frustration there um, because of that. And there's a lot of head-scratching, which I understand, right? It's hard to get around. Well, wait a minute. Why why can you sit outside at a table, outside dining, but you can't sit outside at a ball game? And, and, and this is where, you know, you either have to be very, very consistent um, or you're going to have these contradictions and and people not making sense, and it doesn't it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense to me that you can sit outside, um, social distance at a restaurant, social distance at a beach, social distance at a park, but not at a but not at a ballpark. It doesn't make any sense to me. Um, and so it's hard it's hard to defend the governor's decision there. Um, so all of these little inconsistencies come up, and it drives people absolutely crazy. Um, I do believe, you know, I, I, and and I don't really know much about Governor Cuomo because prior to this, he, you know, he was he was two-term governor and and he did some things that drove businesses crazy. Um, but I do believe he thinks he thinks he's he's doing what's best for saving human lives, and I respect that. I do respect that. He does it in a dictatorial way, and I think that turns a lot of people off. Um, but I and he does it in a preachy way. But I think he's genuinely trying to do right by New Yorkers. I don't think a lot of other elected officials are. They are generally seem to be doing what's best for their political future. Um, but there's so much frustration and, and, and anger because of just the inconsistencies. And there's so much inconsistency even with parents about schools, right? So half the parents need their kids to go back to school. They, they depend on it for child care to be able to work. And, and half, the, half the parents... Out there, if you if you read the polls, half the parents out there don't want their kids going back to school because they're afraid for their health and safety. And so, what do you do? Um, well, we do the best we can, but we got to get past this election. I can't take it anymore, Jay. We got to get past it, and we got to have a a comprehensive nationwide pandemic response. No doubt. And by the way, just so people, by the way, here, uh, uh, 1.3 million now uh, Americans filed for unemployment last week. So. You know, uh, it's still a lot, right? But uh, a lot less. 1.3 million. Uh, that is the latest. Well, you know, one thing on this uh, tweet he had that people have to realize: he can't unilaterally cut federal education support. Okay, he can't do that. Uh, and even if he could, by the way, think about it, folks. Federal government provides—I think it's less than 10 percent, if I'm not mistaken—of funding for public elementary and secondary schools. So. You know, again, you know, he does a lot of things via the phone, the tweets and everything else. It just never makes sense. Never really accurate. uh, And really just uh, a a bullying tactic here. You know, listen, he wants schools to open. He he wants everybody wants schools to open. You got to do it safely. I get it. But like I said, I thought the governor could have been a little bit more flexible yesterday in his approach by saying, you know what? On this day, July 8th, I'm looking at everything. I feel good. If districts do their part, get ready. Kids are going to be entering those educational institutions. We're going to do it safely, methodically. Teachers are going to be safe. 
administrators, staff, kids, the whole nine yards. Let's at least give the affirmation of going ahead. But instead, you know, we we got to play this, you know, this uh, this this back and forth micro whatever whatever you want to call it. The micromanaging is. I think people are done with that already. Enough is enough. All right, let's move to uh, SCOTUS, my friend. Uh, court rule, what was it, 7-2? The administration can let employers deny contraception coverage on religious grounds. That clears the way now. Think about this, folks. That clears the way, Joe, for the weakening of the Affordable Care Act's contraceptive coverage mandate. Uh, I forgot the numbers. Maybe 75 to 125,000 women could lose coverage there. And the court also threw out two job bias lawsuits. It was brought by teachers against their employers. So it kind of reaffirms, again, these religious institutions and schools have a First Amendment right to select their employees. So you look at the two rulings, Joe, and, and a win for conservatives. They really are, who argue for what they see as religious freedom there. So very interesting the way those decisions went down there. We've seen yeah, kind very, of a roller coaster. Go ahead. Really very interesting. I mean, first of all, you know, big decision in 7-2. So you have uh, uh, Elena Kagan and Stephen Breyer joining the conservative bloc in favor of, um, of religious uh, rights under, under the First Amendment, which is, which is unbelievable, right? Um, I think uh, Justice Ginsburg wrote, wrote a scathing dissent um, saying for the first time ever the court's putting you know religious rights above individual rights, um, but a very powerful, strong statement in favor of religion uh, by you know by a blended Supreme Court. That is that's an absolutely incredible. I never thought that I never thought that that, that they would get a seven-two decision on these cases. I was waiting to see how it was going to come out. You know, the Supreme Court, um, Jay, you, when you follow it long enough, you start to learn how the Supreme Court justices communicate with each other based on their votes, based on language, based on positions they're taking, right? So so Chief Justice John Roberts has been getting a lot of flack um, for some of the votes he placed where he sided with what we would call the liberal bloc, um, you know, but he's messaging— so he's got uh, Kavanaugh, who's a super, you know, lightning right now um, for the media uh, until until he all dies down with with how he got on the court. And the biggest issue that everybody was concerned about is would these conservative justices um, respect the precedent of Roe v. Wade, right? And so um, they were given an opportunity to, uh, you know. To, to strike down uh, an abortion law as well, the court and Chief Justice Roberts sided with the liberal bloc, and he said, even though I disagree with the decision, it's the precedent that matters, and because of precedent, um, you know, I'm 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 casting this vote, and that's a very 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 important message that he's sending to the rest of the justices on the court as as Chief Justice, and that is. This court is not going to take any major radical positions where we're going to overturn precedent right now. And I, 
firmly believe, I firmly believe it's because of the divisive nature of the country that he is taking that role to make sure that, you know, the Supreme Court isn't become radicalized and, and become the target of, uh, of media attacks and everything else. He wants to stabilize that part of the country, which is, which is tremendous. People are not going to understand, you know, most people uh, not in the legal field don't understand the Supreme Court and the impact that it really has. But the tremendous um, role they're playing right now, those all nine of them, are playing a tremendous role right now, trying to hold this country together. And so, you know, they've they've said precedent is important. We're not going to take any radical deviations. That's great. And then the next thing they they came out and said with these decisions is religion matters, right? Religion matters. And in this capitalistic, secular society that we're we've created here in America, that's completely polarized and disjointed right now. Supreme Court came out and said religion matters. And that's an important message, I think, um, to to be sending to the country uh, right now is, uh, I mean, we're, we're going through some, some, some weird stuff, right? I mean, we're going through some weird stuff as a country, and it's good. It's good. Democracy needs that, and society needs to, to go through all of these gyrations. And we have municipalities defunding police departments, and we have you know all these radical groups on both sides and and we're we're struggling with with our identity but to have the supreme court come out and and support um organized religion that way i think was was a huge step and i don't think it was by accident i think they they chose cases remember they what they what they didn't choose so let's also talk for 2 seconds about the cases they didn't choose so they chose abortion cases where they upheld precedent. That's super important, right? Keep the keep the country from going bananas. They chose because the Supreme Court gets to hand pick what cases they're going to hear. They chose to hear cases that they were going to decide in favor of religion. But most importantly is what they didn't choose. And there were two cases based on the Second Amendment, right to bear arms, that they declined to hear this term. And I know, well, I suspect, but I know in my heart that the reason that they declined to hear it is because in the middle of all this chaos, in an election year, in, in all of this, uh, you know, protests and riots and everything else, they didn't want to come out and decide any gun cases, one way or the other. They don't want to come out and decide any gun cases. Um, so people like to say the Supreme Court's not a political entity. It's a totally political entity. You know, they are the most political entity because they get to pick and choose the issues they decide. And so I think that the, I think that the the justices are very very smart, and they're being very good um, in terms of how they're working together, the types of cases they're taking, and trying to hold this country together. I mean, we're we're pushing that's right of this country. We're pushing the limits of democracy, and I think they're doing a good job holding it together. Listen, uh, the decision making. Uh, you know, you think conservatism and everything else, and you you know you look at DACA in Louisiana. And the switch over there, listen, a lot of people say, you know, with Roberts, the, re- the revelation, he fell, hit his head. You know, well, think about it. What has occurred here within the ranks of the Supreme Court? He's going to be fine, thank goodness. But, you know, you really, uh, you, you, you have never heard more regarding SCOTUS, uh, more so in the last year than ever before. I can't remember, Joe, any time more. We, uh, SCOTUS is in the news every day. Not only that, how many lawsuits, think about how many lawsuits 
that the president is involved in in his own right. I mean, it's unbelievable. Think about that. Between SCOTUS and the president, lawsuits galore. I mean, it is it is just it's crazy. It really is. By the way, today's the final day of the Supreme Court term. Uh, and uh, we'll see what happens. A couple of more opinions in two cases concerning access to the president's financial records. Joe, when will that ever go away, right? Uh, you'll, you'll hear some more opinions today come out as far as uh, Trump's financial records at this point in time. Uh, you know what? That, that, to me, is at the bottom of the list with all that's going on and all he, he has to deal with and what he should be dealing with. Well, it's an uh, interesting question. It's an interesting question, and this is so that decision they they held held on to last because they know how polarized it's going to be, right? And the and the question, and this is this is you know the, the question, and this decision. So if Donald Trump gets reelected, um, Jay, this decision is going to be the most important decision as to what's going to the next four years going to look like, because if they say that a president is immune. From having to disclose uh, records or respond to subpoenas, and the and the theory is when you're president of the United States, you're you know you're so busy that you don't have time to be bogged down by these these matters. You can deal with them after you get out of office. That's that's sort of the theory, but it really shapes presidential powers. So if they rule against Trump and he wins, that, that he's just going to be dogged with these lawsuits and these subpoenas and these financial records, and that's all we'll be talking about. And then there might be another impeachment and whatever. Okay, uh, and and uh, if if they decide that he's immune from it, and uh, and he loses, well, then he's going to lose that immunity, um, and and he's going to be dogged by lawsuits for the rest of his life with all of these issues going on. So Donald Trump needs the Supreme Court to rule that he has presidential immunity from from uh, from disclosing his finances and from these types of suits and actions, and then he needs to win if he expects any sort of peace from uh, from these lawsuits. So it's a really important issue about presidential authority and how it's going to shape Donald Trump's life for the next four years. No question. Joe Campolo, off the record, on the record. Uh, Joe, i got time for one more. Uh, it's a biggie. And that is uh, the Confederate statues uh, and everything else, these monuments coming down across this country as a result of the Black Lives Matter protests. Listen, let me say this. So the, uh, I'm all for it. But again, you know, people have to educate themselves a little bit. It's not about tearing down every statue you see right there. You know, they, they want to tear down Ulysses S. Grant. My good, do people not know? What Ulysses S. Grant stood for way back in time, he is the one that ended slavery. I mean, my goodness, can we know a little bit about the 18th president of the United States? Just read a couple of blurbs on Ulysses Grant, okay? Read what he has done in time, and let's not tear down everything involved. I'm all for the Confederate because it represents slavery, and I understand the meaning of it all. That should be... Uh, eradicated from one's mind. And I shouldn't say it's going to be eradicated from history. It should be erased. At the time, as far as the taking down, it's never going to be eradicated because we know what history is, is all about and everything else. But people have to educate themselves a little bit better. Let me just say this also on the same lines, because I think there is such a double standard in this country right now. And quite frankly, I'm sick of it. And all these protests and everything else are great. There's meaning. There's 
dialogue that has to be inserted. There must be a two-way street of communication. Uh, police brutality and everything else has started it all. But I am appalled at the amount of anti-Semitism that goes on on a daily basis here. And most notably, Deshaun Jackson of the Eagles, with those horrendous uh, postings he made through his Instagram regarding Adolf Hitler. I mean, just, just uh, horrific. And then to apologize. And then ownership of his team. Maybe a slap in the wrist. I mean, are you kidding me? Deshaun Jackson, with what he had stated and posted, and it brought to light to me, where in the heck are all these athletes? Where is LeBron James on that Deshaun Jackson deal? Where is Colin Kaepernick? How about a denouncement, Colin, on what Deshaun did? Deshaun Jackson should have been, if that's my team, thrown off within 10 seconds. 10 seconds. I got to tell you, double standard of how we react. It goes from the Al Sharpton stuff. Where's Al Sharpton in Chicago? Black on black murders through the roof. 77 shootings, 14 killed on top of the 106 and 11 the week prior. Where is the double standard here, folks? Do you see it? Plain as day to me. And we don't talk about this stuff. We don't talk. It's only a one-side situation. There are plenty of prejudices around this country that have not been attacked. And this Deshaun Jackson deal? Disgraceful. Throw him out of the league, throw him off the team. Go play in Canada. I'm done with that stuff. And people need to come down hard on this. And I want to see athletes who sound off like LeBron and Colin. How about, how about going after Deshaun Jackson? Going, oh, I apologize. I meant no harm. No, you did. You put thought into it at the time. Absolutely disgraceful, Joe. Yeah, so a couple things there. One with the with the monuments. Look, I'm a I'm a history guy, right? I I I live um trying to understand our history. Um it's history. So we need to refresh and we need to redo um what we represent as our as our, you know, cherished monuments. Um I think it's just time. I think I think you know, those those statues, those monuments are a thumb in, in the African American community's eyes, and they need to be refreshed. I don't, I don't think that anybody, you know, there, there are just people out there who want to complain about things. But I think any anybody, if you see some of those statues, if you understand what some of these people stand for, I get that it's our history. I get it. Uh, put it in a museum. Put it in a museum. Let's not forget our history. Let's never forget our history. Let's never forget the horrible things that humanity can do. Right. That's that's sort of important thing for us to have is uh, an understanding of the horrible things we can we can do and as far as the double standard jay i i'm 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 there i'm there with you i'm a hundred percent there with you the only thing i would the only thing i would say because i've really thought about this a lot i've really thought about this uh, you know a tremendous lot the because it seems like there is such a double standard in 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 both directions Okay, in so far as you know, if if people bring up Hitler or a Nazi swastika or something like that, 
there is a universal outcry, a universal outcry condemning it, Jay. There, there just is, and, and that's probably because so much of it is um, captured on, on film, and we can see the horrific atrocities that occurred. Um, it's, it's, you know, people are alive. My grandmother's alive, and, and my parents' generation lived through it, and it's, uh, it's horrendous. It's evil. We know that. We know that it's evil. Um, we don't we don't have that sense of evil necessarily with um, racial discrimination against African Americans, and, you know. And I think that that's where some of the outrage comes from. Is you know, yeah, anti-Semitism they do not react the same way in terms of employment. They do not react the same way, and it's terrible. But the flip side of it also is. I mean, and in fairness to the African American community, I mean, they were they were slaves for hundreds of years. They were they were not even property. And some of these, you know, the, these these great we like to see these great great white men freed them and ended slavery, but it, they didn't really. It, they didn't really, Jay. There was compromises. You know, the three fifths compromise. They're going to count as three fifths of a person. And and uh, you know, it's it's such a terribly hard, complicated history that we just need to do better. We need to, we do need to be as outraged when we, when we address the issues of slavery and racial um, discrimination. We need to be as outraged as we are when we see people who support uh, Nazism and things like that. And I think that that's, that's part of the issue is, um, is we don't. Now, the flip side of it is that you said as well, you know, and, and that is um, I, I don't think in this country right now and over the last few years, because there's such a heightened sensitivity to racial um, disparity and discrimination, I don't think that um, people are as in tune to the anti-Semitism that exists out there, and it does exist out there, and I don't think they're in it, as in tune to it and I don't think that the media is sure, not sure how to play it. Um, so there's a double standard. So you're, you're absolutely right. So there's a double standard in my mind both ways. Um, but no, no way, no how he should be, he should be kicked off the team and barred from from playing. Period. End of story. There's, there should be no no exception uh, to that rule whatsoever. And there should be discussions, ongoing discussions. Racial inequality is out there, no question has to be communicated about. My point is, I want to see some of these top-level athletes who have had such a voice in everything uh, to come out and say, you know what? We're not going to stand for that either. Deshaun, you're way off. You're way off, okay? you. Are, I want to hear that from LeBron James. I want to hear that from... I mean, can you imagine Colin Kaepernick? What a stance he would have had uh, if he would have came out right after that tweet and just came out and said, you know what? We're not putting up. We're not putting up with that either. We're not. We're not putting up with it. I'm sorry. You know, but you don't hear from people. You don't hear. It's unbelievable. It's such a double stand. Same thing with Hong Kong, the NBA, and China. Not one guy. They're so eager to, to take on the president of the United States, but they're not ready to attack China for how they've handled the Hong Kong situation because of dollars and what it means to the NBA and everything else. That's a whole other thing. A prime example right there of not being fair, not getting the voice out. 
My friend, give me a minute or so. What's happening within the confines of your great firm and everything else? I know you had a big event coming up with Lee Zelding. That's next week, is it? Yeah. So next next Tuesday, we're gonna uh, we're gonna have Congressman Zeldin on our our weekly webinar, Business Unusual, to uh, to sort of give us updates as to what's going on with the with the federal stimulus programs. I know there's there's talk of more stimulus dollars coming in. I want to get certainly his vantage point out to the business community, um, so we can understand you know more about that. And then uh, the week after that, we're going to be talking to. Um, to the folks from the Stahler Center and from the Tillis Center, um, you know, the the arts, the performing arts indoor arenas are, are are getting slaughtered, right? I mean, they're just getting slaughtered. They announced they're not going to be opening up Broadway until the earliest in January. The uh, the the Center and the Tillis Center, the two biggest performing arts studios here on Long Island, are are really struggling, um, but being really creative. And so we're going to talk to them about. Um, what to do. I mean, the, the issue, Jay, the biggest issue right now is people need a break, right? We need something recreational to be able to do because people are just losing their minds right now. And so we'll have to see how things, uh, we'll have to see how things go. Hopefully the the weather stays nice and we're able to, you know, to keep playing golf and get to the beach and do some things this summer. But Boy, oh boy, is it really challenging in certain people's worlds right now. It is uh, immensely challenging. Great to have you. Therapeutic for me uh, this morning. You were the right elixir for what uh, uh, I've been going through, and I can't thank you enough. And I look forward to the next time, my friend. All right, Jay, stay well, man. I'll 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 stay in touch with you. Make sure you're doing okay. Just stay well. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it all, Joe Campolo, the great managing partner. You know the firm, folks. Three locations: Westbury, Ronkonkoma, uh, and uh, Riverhead. And don't forget the website: cmmlfp.com.